to the PM Mastery Podcast. This podcast is all about helping you master your project management skills by sharing tips, tricks, tools, and training to get you to the next level while sharing the stories of other project managers on their journey in project management. And now, here's your host, Walt Sparling. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the current edition of PM Mastery. Today, we have a special treat. We have Nicole Caputo. Did I pronounce that right, Nicole? Yes, you did. Awesome. Nicole is in a slightly different industry than the most of the folks we've we've spoken to. She is an industrial, a certified industrial hygienist. She is from or grew up in Pennsylvania. She now lives in Tampa, and uh, she's been married for twenty years and has a five year old son. So I am going to kind of turn it over to Nicole and Nicole, we're going to start out with a little bit. Tell us what it is you do. I am a certified industrial hygienist and uh, a lot of people get that confused with a uh, dental hygienist or uh, something similar to that. But basically um, I make sure that other people at work are safe. Um, so that's the industrial part of it and hygienist being the um, you know, safe working environment. So that can cross a lot of different facets, uh, a lot of different industries. One day I can be in an office, um, very clean environment. Another day I can be at a school. Another day I can be at a power plant or, um, you know, at a welding facility or some sort of manufacturing facility. So I get to see a lot of different places and I have to learn on the fly and uh, make sure that I'm doing everything that the, the client requests to make sure that their workers are safe. Awesome. So, and, and I know some people are going, okay, what does this have to do with project management? So you and I have met uh, a few times actually, and w- part of your job is project management because you do a lot of projects. In fact, we met because you work on projects for uh, my customer. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your company and maybe a little bit about how you deal with project management. Sure. I work for a company called the Vertex Companies. It's an AEC firm headquartered in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Um, It's an employee-owned company with about 600 employees across North America. We do have a health and safety department in there, um, and I help with that, but that's not my job. My job is actual project management, and I head the parts of the project that need to be safe, and that can be a wide variety of things again but it generally has to deal with hazardous materials. So our construction department might be dealing with something where they are um, going to be building on a lot and that lot has some really dirty land. And depending on where you're doing that in the state of Florida, there are different departments in cities and counties that will require that land get tested. If that test comes back and the land has a certain types of hazards in it, say heavy metals or polycarbonated or polychlorinated biphenyls or uh, different types of hazards, when they're digging up that dirt, that could get into the air. And so they'll want a certified industrial hygienist to make sure that that's not getting into the air. We had a project that actually was being built like that, and it was right next to a daycare. So you can imagine the daycare was concerned that they wanted to make sure that that dirt didn't get over to their site and cause a problem. So that's just one instance, but it could be with the forensics team, they could be investigating an insurance claim 
And the insurance claim, you know, we they might be worried about the structure of the building, but if the structure of the building has some mold on it, then they need somebody that knows about mold and that hazardous material. And maybe the building's too old um, or old enough that it has asbestos in it or lead-based paint. So we'll have to look at it from that perspective. So I manage the project on that side. And so I'll have to schedule the resources. Sometimes I do it myself because it requires uh, somebody with more years of experience. Sometimes I have a technician level person do it. Sometimes we write specifications on how to remove it. Sometimes we uh, hire the subcontractors. So there's so many different parts of project management that I have to touch on just depending on the project. And I have to coordinate with other departments in the company to get that done. Awesome. And yes, we've actually worked with you for quite a few years, even though we've only met a couple of times and uh, you've helped with all of those things, uh, testing materials, uh, giving us uh, remediation plans. So uh, you're an important part of, of our team. Yes. So nope. Nobody likes to have hazardous materials on their project site, but it's the world we live in. We we probably manufacture them today and we'll learn about them 10, 20 years from now and then have to remove them all over again. But it's just the way that the world works. And I always say that people would rather run into me at the grocery store uh, than have me on their project. But uh, it is a necessity. Yeah. A perfect example of that is asbestos. Yes. You know, that was a fantastic material back in the day. All the things that it could do until I found out about the bad stuff. Now we spend a good chunk of our time making sure it's gone or that we yeah. don't have it. Yes. And the interesting thing about that is that the products that have asbestos in it actually last longer than the newer products. So I've had some clients that would prefer to keep their asbestos, um, keep it in place and safe rather than remove it just because it lasts longer. It's an interesting industry. Why, why do you do this? What drives you? I love that question. I really do every time anybody asks me because I love what I do. And I don't know many people that can say that. Um, the first thing is that I'm, I always have to be thinking, I always get to move to the next thing, the next project. But the main thing is that my job has purpose. And I think you, you hear on the news, a lot of people, a lot of doctors and researchers, they're, they're trying to cure cancer. But in some regards, in many regards, I'm trying to prevent it from happening in the first place. And I think that's really pretty cool thing to say, especially my mother has cancer. And so, you know, she's proud of her daughter when she says that. But um, I also saw firsthand how an occupational illness can hurt somebody. I had uh, my grandfather worked very heavily in the 60s and 70s when asbestos and some of these heavy metals were very prevalent in many of the building materials and in automobiles. And he worked on all of that. He built houses, he demolished houses, and a lot of them had asbestos in it. And they may not have specifically diagnosed him with asbestosis, but he died because his lung capacity decreased so much that he couldn't breathe anymore. And I got to watch him take his last breath. And, you know, I truly believe that it was because of the working environment that he was in for several years. Oh, that's, yeah, that's sad. And, and unfortunate, there's so many people that have gone through that. And it's great that you're actually helping prevent that in the future. Thank you. Now, keeping up with this stuff and keeping up with uh, not just the industry, but how to do your job, uh, how, do you, how do you continue to learn and stay on top of things? It's a never-ending battle, uh, but it's, it's not a battle that I 
prefer to necessarily win. It's just one I want to continue moving on with. Um, you have to stay on top of these things. I think in any industry, anything you do, I think the one of the greatest pieces of advice is to continuously read. You know, even if you're just reading for a leisure, that's fine. Usually there's some tidbits of good information in there. But read on the topics that interest you and maybe make a list of five to 10 topics that interest you. It doesn't even have to be about your job, but read about them. Um, luckily in industrial hygiene, there's so many different topics, uh, you know, noise and hexanochromium and radiation. And, you know, there's a lot of it that I don't know everything about it. So I get to, you know, change course every once in a while and read up on something I don't know about. So I love that. But I've also been on the board for the Florida chapter of the American Industrial Hygiene Association for five years. I'm actually the current uh, immediate past president. So this will be my last year. Um, but I plan to move on to the national uh, AIHA, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, and do some volunteer work with them. So being part of that organization, we put on two conferences a year. Last year was a challenge because I got to be the first one to do virtual conferences. Um, so I learned a lot doing that, but we get the presenters to come on. So we usually watch them and we're part of those presentations. We learn about those each year. Um, not to mention just reading, constantly reading um, the different magazines and programs. Um, I give presentations back in the way, way day uh, when in your client, uh, I did give a presentation I think about asbestos, um, so I'll do different types of presentations throughout the years. And presently, I'm, I'm reading, I like some of those self-improvement books, not because I feel like I need a huge self-improvement, but I think we should always improve ourselves. And I'm currently reading The Seven Decisions by Andy Andrews. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I have not. Um, but the they do have a decision in there. One of the, of the decisions is the guided decision, and that's basically the decision to seek wisdom. Is states that understanding that God moves mountains to create opportunity for us, but we must be ready to move ourselves and um, just keep reading. Got to keep reading. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the biggest things I, I think I see is, and I'm disappointed in that people, they go to school and then they get a job and then they stop and they just do their job and they, they might do training that's, you know, pushed on them at work but so many don't continue to learn. And there is so much out there that you can learn. And like you said, it doesn't even have to be work-related, a hobby or something, or, or just, I, I spent a ton of time doing self-improvement books, but about twice a year, I just take a break and I read fiction just, yeah. just to break it up some, but I continue to read. So I, I think it's great. And I will definitely add that book to our uh, show notes at the end and check it out challenges. Every job has challenges. What are some of the ones that you deal with? Well, right now, not, I don't want to make this a big political um, rant, but right now I think a lot of other people are experiencing this challenge and it's, it's hiring somebody. So um, I currently have somebody who this is their last week working with me and I've worked with him for almost five years. And it's bittersweet because I'm really proud of him. He's a young professional and he's moving on. Um, just He's just moving to another location that our company can't keep him on. So he's going, unfortunately, to a competitor, but he's not leaving for any will ill or anything like that. So it's, it's bittersweet because I'm proud of him. He's learned a lot. He's come into his own, but you know, now I'm going to be left, <laughs> left hanging a little bit, but I have hired somebody 
But that process is really difficult these days. I put out a position for a semi-entry-level position, not, not completely brand new and green, but a couple of years of experience so that um, we could just move forward with this position. And I got both extremes. I got a lot of people with more years of experience than I have that I've known in the industry and they wanted to have this position. And I went through the interviews, semi out of respect, but semi out of curiosity. And basically these people are, you know, I think they were let go during the COVID times. I also think that they are getting close to retirement and maybe they want to keep their medical insurance. But I also think that they like what they do, probably like I do. They want to have a similar position, but they don't want to make those big decisions anymore. Maybe they don't want to be the project manager anymore. Um, And they just kind of want to be told what to do, go out and do the job. And they were willing to do it for that entry level, you know, maybe just a step above the entry level pricing, right, that I would normally hire for. And I thought that was so kind of sad, but I was really having a hard time understanding it. And then we had a bunch of young professionals coming in um, that I that I um, interviewed and they they were expecting the same amount as these experienced professionals or maybe more. And they had way less experience. And I was just baffled. I really had a hard time trying to find the right fit. And it wasn't that we were, were not willing to pay somebody. But what I noticed was that I felt like they were really requesting the higher pay and the benefits. And that's all that they focused on. When we talked about flexibility and we talked about some of the non-monetary benefits that the company provides that didn't seem to pique their interest. And I know that I can't personally motivate somebody who's only extrinsically motivated. If you have intrinsic motivation, I can help to bring out that spark in you, but I can't do the extrinsic motivators that only lasts for, you know, three, maybe six months tops. You know, I can only give you a raise every once in a while. So that has been a challenge. Um, and not just with me, but I've noticed uh, other colleagues in other areas of the U.S. that have been trying to hire that. It's been really tough. Yeah, that is tough. And I, I've you're not the first one to say that and have that same challenge. Yeah, I don't look forward to hiring anyone anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough market out there, and uh, I guess I'm glad that I learned a little bit about it. But um, it's just different than I've seen. I really ever. Now, challenges. You said you had a five year old, and in an earlier conversation, you indicated that you're doing a lot of traveling. Is that yes. made a- Yeah, there's always the personal challenge, of course, right? The the work life balance, and. Um, that, that is difficult because my five-year-old is awesome. He is so awesome. He's so cool, so strong, and so smart. Um, I don't want to miss a beat. I don't want to miss any of that because he's just so cool. And my husband does travel from time to time, too. He has different times of the year that he travels a little bit more than other times. And so when we both have to travel and we have to have that conversation, are you traveling next week? No. Okay, well, I'm traveling, you know. It does make it difficult. And I think in my family... Most times we have a pretty decent balance with it, but every once in a while it gets really strained. And um, we have to remember that family comes first. Um, I, I love what I do, 
but family is going to be there for me if something happens, right? They're always going to be there. Um, I probably have some work colleagues that would be there mostly too, but family will be there first, always, every time. Um, having to miss any any of those little milestones, or they're not even milestones anymore. The trivial things are what's funny. And, you know, mm-hmm. my five-year-old is at that point where he just remembers everything. And he'll, he'll remind me of something that was so silly from weeks ago that I forgot about, but it was funny to him. It was important to him. And so you realize that for a five-year-old, every moment is not trivial. I don't think, I don't know when that happens when we all start having these trivial moments in our lives and we just, you know, they, they start to be where we, we don't remember them as much anymore. But when you realize that every moment in a five-year-old's life is not trivial, it's, it's grand. It's something new. He's learning. It's, it's tough to miss them. So switching over now, your industry being so different, but you've got to have tools that you use, hardware, software, some technology. What would be your favorite tools? We, you know, I have a tool bag. I have different gadgets, especially I do a lot of mold and moisture and that type of stuff. Um, Some that we rent, some that we have. But my favorite has always been the infrared camera. Um, not everybody knows how to use it. I've had um, bosses even that would say, oh, we can see through walls. But th- that's not really how it works. Um, there's a lot of science behind its development, its use. Um, there's so many other things you can use it for. I use it generally to detect for moisture, um, but it's really just looking at a thermal difference. It doesn't tell me that it's moisture in there. It's just telling me that there's a difference, a, a grand difference in temperature. So then I have to figure out the building and know what I'm looking at and have some experience to determine why is that a thermal difference? Um, why is that happening? And it's just cool because you, it's um, investigative. It's fun. And I mean, even watching, you know, the ghost shows they use it sometimes and it cracks me up because they use it for a different purpose, but I think it's a, a really neat tool. And um, once you get to understand it and you can use it properly, it's pretty cool. Not yeah. to mention not to mention, I have the smallest one and it attaches to my phone and it has oh, an app. Wow. Yeah, it, it was like, I think I got the $300 one that attaches to my phone. It just, um, the battery runs out a little bit quickly. But besides that, I can use it on a normal survey. It takes great photos. It does a picture on picture. It tells me it has a good uh, resolution. So I can really get down to some of that nitty gritty with a a small, cheap infrared camera. Hmm. Yeah, I've never seen it used in that type of scenario, but I've seen a lot in the electrical industry for looking for hot spots, possible faults, um, equipment that's gotten too hot, things like that. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely know a lot of electricians that use it and anybody in the electrical field. Um, people who work in roofing use it a lot of times too. So it's, it's a nifty little tool. Not to mention my flashlight. That's, I get upset if I lose my favorite flashlight, but. Um, Do you have a little LED one? Yeah. But one with, you know, like the, the a thousand or 3000 lumens, yeah. you know, you can, you can shine down the street and it shows you all the, all the houses on your street <laughs> when it's pitch dark. Well, yeah, I don't have one like that, but I, uh, Derek and I, you know, Derek did a, yes. a show uh, or an episode not too long ago. And we talked about tools and having a flashlight is uh, super important for many reasons. And I do recall you're talking about the neighborhood 
I was uh, hanging out with some friends and live out in the country. And the guy said, Hey, you want to go check out the property? And it's like, yeah, sure. But it's like black out there. He goes, I'll get some flashlights. And I go, I got my own. And I pull out my little three inch long led flashlight. And he's like, Oh dude, please. He brings out his flashlight and I turn mine on and it just twice passed <laughs> what he had with this big old honker. He's like, Holy crap. So for Christmas, yeah. I got all the guys that were there, little led flashlights. That's all you need. Incredible stuff. It's amazing. The tools, some, some that are so basic and every day are so important. Yes. And then there's some that you can, you know, buy at any Home Depot and some of those are okay, but they, they just don't last. Um, so you have to be careful. Lumens is key. Yes. All right. So now the fun part, every episode, and this is something I started at work with presentations is doing a, did you know? So I'm hoping that you have an interesting, did you know that you can share with the folks? Well, I'm pretty proud of my did you know, because I think it's very relevant. And I also think it's fun. And as a woman in this industry, it's, it's not always easy. You know, there's a lot of men around, um, but this celebrates a woman. So since the world has entered into, I call it like the industrial hygiene way of life, whether you know it or not, all of you people out there wearing masks and respirators, you are working in industrial hygiene. This COVID pandemic pandemic has made you realize the need for cleanliness and, and personal protective equipment. So I think it's really fun that a lot more people actually do know what industrial hygiene is. But did you know that the N95 mask, a lot of us are wearing them, was designed by a woman. Her name was Sarah Little Turnbull. And she was initially hired to design a modeled bra cup. Um, the bra cup actually didn't get approval until 1962, um, but the respirator design was approved in 1961. So it got approved before the bra cup did. And basically that bubble shape that you see people wearing on their face is a bra cup or was modeled after one. Oh, I'm gonna use that in my next meeting. I love it. I think, I think the guys <laughs> will really appreciate it. That's a who. Yeah, we got a mix. We got about 50-50 split. So uh, they'll they'll definitely enjoy that. I mean, if you could get some pink ones, maybe with some lace on it, it would be really comical. I have I have seen some pink uh, face masks. So maybe I'll do some shopping. There you go. All right. Well, I this is so different than what we typically talk about. Uh, the one thing that's interesting is project managers are everywhere and they're, they're in construction, they're in banking, they're in it, they're in industrial hygiene. So becoming a PM and learning uh, the traits and skills can place you in places you would have never imagined when you start out. So I think this was definitely a, uh, a really interesting interview. Do you well, have? I'm, I'm honored to be here. I really appreciate, you know, doing something different. This is a little bit outside my comfort zone. And that's another thing that I think everybody should try and do is get outside of your comfort zone from time to time, because you'll, you'll learn something new for sure. And that is one of the things that's uh, I hope people will take to heart because we started out gangbusters on these interviews. Cause I had pre arranged a bunch of folks. And then a lot of people did not want to be involved in any way because they were nervous about being interviewed and 
making mistakes and all that stuff can be edited out. But I've had so many people that were interested and then just said, Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm so busy and busy is good for some excuses, but at some point you slow down and it's really, this is like an hour out of your, uh, your life. And I think it's a really good experience. Like you said, step outside your comfort zone. Wasn't easy for me to start this whole thing. And I think you're going to be the, Oh, I, I can't even know now 13th or 14th, maybe higher okay. interview. And I have another one scheduled in two days. So, well, I appreciate you. You make it very natural. So I think you, you're coming a long way. Well, I'm, I'm pretty proud of what you've put on here too. Well, I appreciate that. You, you hear that folks. It's very easy, very casual. Anybody can do it. All right. Well, I thank you for coming on. And uh, if we ever get into a topic where we want to talk more about hygiene, we'll definitely call you back. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And I've, I've enjoyed working with you through the years. Well, ditto here. And, and I greatly appreciate you coming on and doing this. This is, a, this is a big thing for me as well. All right, everyone. So thanks for joining Nicole and I. And we'll see you on the next episode of PM Mastery. Thanks for listening to the PM Mastery podcast at www.pm-mastery.com. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast player. Until next time, keep working on your craft.